You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCray, your host, and today I'm being joined by Brian Daniel. Brian, thank you for being with us today. Man, it's great to be with you, Dwayne. We're looking at session four uh, of our summer 2022 study of First and Second Kings. In session four, we're looking at chapter 12 of First Kings, verses 6 through 19. There's some things that's happened since session three. Solomon, you had Solomon's disobedience. You had the, you know, God telling him or his kingdom was not going to last after his, his time. Rehoboam's become king. We're not told how that's going to go separate ways. But this particular passage gives us the, the, the backstory, I guess the front story, on how it became two kingdoms and what had been told to Solomon. And so you have Rehoboam. Some people think that he was an innocent victim because there, you know, this had been, this was because of Solomon. But there are some things in here that make us think otherwise. But we've outlined this passage, verses 6 through 19, in these three ways. First of all, experience speaks, arrogance reigns, and division ensues. That first section, experience speaks, is verses 6 and 7 of chapter 12. Having been made king after Solomon's death, Rehoboam, he sought the, the counsel of his father's advisors when approached by Jeroboam and the people of Israel about some of the harsh practices of Solomon. Solomon's advisors encouraged Rehoboam to be a servant of the people, and in turn, they would follow him forever. The main idea that we want to glean from this is that wise leaders seek the counsel of experienced advisors before making important decisions. Verses 8 through 15, we've entitled these passages, these verses, Arrogance Reigns. In these verses, Rehoboam ignored the counsel of the experienced advisors and sought the advice of his peers. They encouraged Rehoboam to increase the workload on the people, being more severe than his father, Solomon. When Jeroboam returned after three days, Rehoboam followed the advice of his peers and responded harshly. This response fulfilled God's judgment on Solomon as prophesied by Ahijah. A main point for us is that arrogant counsel leads to self-serving decisions. The last section, verses 16 through 19, division ensues. In these verses, the northern tribes, which we would, from this point on, they'll be known as Israel, responded with resentment and quoted Sheba's words that challenged David and his descendants to sustain themselves. Adarud, who was in charge of the forced labor, was stoned while Rehoboam escaped to Jerusalem. The northern tribes then made Jeroboam their king. Our takeaway is that self-serving decisions cause painful divisions. First of all, you see this, the, the king approaching people who were obviously much more experienced than him. So a question that we have to ask here is, what is the value of experience uh, if someone's not going to listen to it anyway? You know, it's interesting here, Dwayne, that he makes the, what I would, what a lot of us would, would refer to as the, the wiser, he chooses the wiser course initially. And so, you know, it seemed like that you would get, you do get credit for this as a king that he did seek out wise counsel. But you're right. 
the question is, so what's the value of that if you're not going to, to heat it? And I think right away we would say, well, not much, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, he would have that additional wisdom and he would have this to glean, but it, um, I, I guess I would answer, I guess I would engage this question the following way. It's, he did the right thing by seeking it out. The question is, so, so what was it that prevented him from heeding this counsel? I think that that's the, to me, the logical follow-up here. And it had to be something in his heart, right? Something that he couldn't bring himself to do. But I mean, just the, the blatant answer here is if you're going to seek out the, the, if, you, if you're going to seek out experience as a part of your um, any decision you're going to make, you need to take it more seriously than um, Ray Baum evidently did. Yeah, and, and it's not. Yeah, he was young comparatively, but he was he was 41 when Solomon died. We know that. So he's at least had 40 years of his life to observe and see things. So it's not like he's. 12 when he's put into that role you know and the folks he talks to the the folks he grew up with they would have been contemporary so they're not teenagers either or 20 year old either they're 40 years old so you would think at least some of them would have had some sense to think uh this may be a be the wrong thing to do here ray bowen had a hard time with difficult decisions the harder decision is probably to turn to uh, turn away from the ways of his father and to uh, submit himself. And he just couldn't do it. And he didn't like the counsel that he got, so he went and he, you know, Dwayne, you had to, I'm assuming, and I, it's not in the text, but I think I think it's okay to assume that he knew what his peers were going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. Why, why else would you have approached him? If he didn't like what he heard from, from the elders, so he finds somebody who would, agree with his preconceived approach yeah and i think one of the takeaways here is we we probably need to search ourselves like if you do seek out this counsel and whether it's the council of experience or just trusted advisors there's nothing here that says that that peers well i, I don't think a takeaway is never trust your peers i don't think that's what this is saying um, and it's not but regardless of who you are asking it's someone that you trust and that's who he goes to first he doesn't go to his peers first, he goes to his peers second. So I, I think I think one of the things that we can deduce here that, we're, I mean, he, either he learned from his father or from others that these are the people you go to first. If, if it doesn't align with uh, your internal bearing, you need to be really sure and do some really good inspection of yourself and your own heart before you depart from that counsel that you sought out. I think that's one of the things that I would that I would glean from this. Uh, I see him going to, you know, turning to wise counsel. I see him turning to friends, but you don't see anything in here with him saying, "Okay, God, which one of these is telling me the truth here?" Um, and in some ways, he really couldn't ask God that because he, he was he was already down the going down the wrong path. So, what would what would God have told him had he at least stopped and said, "God, tell me." what I need to do would it have changed what was about to happen which yeah. brings me to this question yeah this one is the the goal yeah, <laughs> could this split have been stopped I mean it had been already prophesied Solomon already been told this is going to happen so you know a secondary question is was there really a choice here 
if God had already declared to Solomon that the kingdom would be divided? Uh, how do we deal with that question here? That it's <clears throat> that tension. That tension is it is it is a tension. So, what is how do you discern? What are the distinctions between um, our own decision making and God's sovereignty? And I I don't you know Dwayne as I as I've wrestled with this, and I think a lot of people have. I think what I'm left with is. Um, our language and our understanding really prevents us from reconciling two things that are reconcilable in God's ultimate wisdom and sovereignty. I mean, that's where it is. So the answer to your question is, could the split have been stopped? No. I mean, if God ordained it, I, I mean, we do, have, we do have places where it appears that God, um, I don't know, I wouldn't say changes his mind, but is affected by petitions. But in this case, I would say that no, that uh, that the split could not have been stopped. But I, I think where I would, I think where I would amend the answer here and to say that that didn't have to be Rehoboam necessarily. It does not recuse him from his error, or if you want to, if you want to go as far as his sinfulness, he is not excused from that because of because of the prophecy. He's not an innocent victim here. He he has a role to play. Uh, in, in this in this conflict you know that, that's a question we may think about too is how do we come to grips with the role we play in a conflict and how how do we even admit because we don't want to admit that we had a, a role to play in something like this what better well how do i say this um in in the world we live in it is very difficult to avoid conflict at the time of this recording, we are what feels like coming up on at least the waning of the COVID uh, pandemic. I, I don't know that it's ever going to be completely gone, but at least the it being a top of mind and something that dictates everything that we do, it looks like we're on the tail end of that. Yet still, there are all these debates that have spun off. It's become, it's uh, it's in our churches, it's been politicized it's in our groups it's in our workplace it's probably even within families and we're all wrestling with them to a greater or lesser extent so in terms of conflict we are embroiled in conflict these days and so to ask the question about the role we play in it is a really good and helpful discussion here uh, i would say Dwayne, just to kick us off that one of the roles of an adult one of the things that i that i catch myself saying in my family has heard me say a lot is in any conflict you need to decide who's going to be the grown-up or the adult. And one of the ways that you, uh, that you take on the mantle of adulthood is look for ways to de-escalate or at least not escalate. One of, the, one of the things I see in any conflict is people just won't. It's, I guess you could look at it like Rehoboam, uh, Rehoboam. He knew what he wanted to do, and yet he went and asked for counsel. And when he didn't get what he wanted, when he just didn't do it. So that kind of in, uh, personal inspection and introspection, I think that needs to be applied in our conflicts as well. So ask yourself, what am I really feeling here and why? And understand, you know, a lot of the things that we tend to get um, upset about, in the end, we're not even going to remember what started the debate. One of the books about uh, crucial conversations is a book, secular book. But it has the idea that we have facts, we base our reaction to those facts. We may not have all the facts together, so we fill in the blanks 
and then that is how we uh, we react based on on our own filling in the blank. So what we have to do is make sure that the facts we have are correct, and how we piece those pieces together. We may have they talk about in that book a marriage where the uh, you know a wife finds a receipt and she didn't get any flowers, so she's so she starts saying, well, he's seeing somebody else. Well, that may not be the case. He may have had to buy those flowers. And the story is in the book, he bought the flowers because his boss asked him to buy them as a gift for the boss to take to his wife. And so once she knew the story, then it changed how she felt. So it de-escalates the, the conflict. So many times we fill in our own stories and we don't even want to find out whether it's true or not, because to, to, to do so would change how we feel about something we like feeling that way. Um, we want to feel that way in some cases. And don't you think that a lot of times, too often, we filter those things through our own brokenness, our own destructive habits or harmful ways of understanding the world around us or destructive conclusions that we've come to about the world and the way that we relate to it? I think uh, if we can learn how to process things in a healthy way, um, you have to assume that God allows conflict so there must be something redemptive that can come out of it. And so if you look for those opportunities, and one of the things that I've learned is any conflict is don't begin by thinking the worst of the other person. If you begin by thinking the best of the other person, uh, it really changes the way it goes from there. So I don't know. Those are just a few thoughts, but mm -hmm. I just know that it is, it's, it's really weighty. And you look, history was changed here, the course of history was changed in the seat of Rehoboam. I want to ask you, so when you look at Rehoboam and uh, Jeroboam, how did each of them contribute to the division, this division between the two kingdoms from move forward? I mean, we've talked about Rehoboam, but what about Jeroboam? Yeah, he was, he was already um, in a position. Uh, he, he worked for Solomon. Solomon recognized his, his skill uh, he oversaw part of the work of the work that was done by in the building of the, the of the temple and uh, was a a trusted person at that point. So uh, I could see how him being that kind of trusted person would 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 be viewed as a threat by Rehoboam. But I could also see Jeroboam enjoying being a threat mm -hmm. to uh, uh, to Rehoboam. And thinking he deserved that right because of what he had accomplished under the kingship of Solomon and where he had been elevated to. Um, you also had tensions already in place. This wasn't a new divide. Uh, you, you see this divide as far back as judges uh, with Ephraim being involved in it. And you see this, um, I mentioned this, the uh, war cry of Sheba uh, that ties to Ab Absalom's revolt against David. And in 2 Samuel 20, verse 1, uh, you find this war cry by Sheba. And it's almost identical to the war cry we find here in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 16. Uh, so uh, it's, a, it, it's an ongoing crack. And finally, that crack just fell in place. Uh, it, it busted. And once it's busted, it ain't going back together. You know, it's the, it's the, the dam has been open. And so the, the, what had, what had been going on in the past was they found ways to keep that crack in check, but
but sooner or later, somebody was not going to keep it in check. And so now that's happened. But this is in God's providence, too. It feeds into the story of God creating a just people, a people that's truly dedicated to him. Both of them are going to end up in exile. Judah comes back, but the northern tribes never come back as the northern tribes. Once it's conquered, it's done. So what do you do with uh, with redemptive history here? So Abijam had a short reign, a relatively short reign. Is that right? Am I remembering that right? That came after Rehoboam? Three, three months or three years. Three. Yeah. That, yeah, it that's what short. I was going to say. It was four years or less is what I was yeah, thinking. Three I months. Can't the exact number. Three years, three years. And then his son Asa comes in with reform. Yeah. And so it doesn't redeem. I mean, all is not redeemed, but there is like a partial redemption. So he banishes some uh, some sensuality and sexuality. He removes his grandmother and uh, and he, he takes action against idolatry. And so Asa comes in and I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it doesn't, Dwayne, I wouldn't say that it like corrects the course, but it is course corrective, I would yeah. say. Yeah. And so there is, even even if conflict is not resolved in a way that we would have hoped, it doesn't mean that there is no hope or that all hope is lost. And God does work to redeem things, uh, all the things. And as we know that God is in the business of redeeming things, it's but it's on his time. And so you do have that part of the story that I suppose will be next week. Yeah, they will study Asa next week. The The other piece of that is you think about redemptive history. The war declaration with Sheba and this is kind of like saying, you're on your own. I hope y'all can make it because y'all are the weakest, the smallest. Um, y'all have inferior manpower. We're, we've, got, we've got the better warriors, all that kind of stuff in the north. Well, we see God's redemption coming through the humble, not through the, the biggest, proudest, largest. But you think about Christ, uh, you know, born in put in a manger as first. I mean, that's as humble as you would want to be. Well, you see it, see that redemptive story moving towards the humble arrival of the king. And uh, I don't think we should discount that in this sense here either. Yeah, I, there's no doubt. And that's as good a place to wrap up as any, I think. <laughs> any other key thoughts you would share from this particular passage? Well, I would say that you don't take division lightly. Um, I mean, we're looking at it, it, a, a nation here, a, an entire people group. So obviously, that's a that's a fairly dramatic sequence of events and what it led to, and it was, it 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 reverberates throughout history. But that doesn't mean that our personal relationships and our own families and friendships are. I don't I don't know if I would put them and say that it's just as important because the far-reaching consequences of what we're talking about today um, are significant, but that all of these things are not insignificant. And when you're looking at conflict and the role we play and how you're going to seek and, and hear and process wise counsel, I think we have to realize that the stakes are very high. And I think this is a good, this is a good reminder of that. I want to thank you folks out there for listening to us today. If you have comments or questions, you're welcome to send me an email at dwayne.mccrary at lifeway.com. That's D-W-A-Y-N-E dot M-C-C-R-A-R-Y at lifeway.com. And I'll do my best to answer your question. Or if I don't know the answer, I'll make sure I'll put you in contact with the right person who can answer that question. Hope you'll join us next week. We'll be looking at session five. We'll be looking at Asa, as we just mentioned. Tim Pollard will be, will be with me. We'll be looking at chapter 15 of 1 Kings. And the main thought there is repentance of sin can stop its spiraling effects. Mm -hmm.